So What is a podcast from The Gathering at Crossings Community Church. This podcast exists to help young adults navigate real life and cultural topics in light of what the Bible says. The Gathering meets weekly on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. at Crossings Community Church. It is a place for young adults in their 20s and 30s to belong and be known and become like Christ. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to So What. As Andy introed on Tuesday, we're doing a little bit of a different spin with the podcast this go around. And so what you're going to see today is us just recapping Tuesday's message, including some things that we maybe had to cut or didn't quite make the message that we'd love to talk about and share with you. Um, and so we hope you enjoy it and we hope it's beneficial. And with that, we're just going to launch straight into it. But before we do that, I want to know a question. So on Tuesday, we talked about anxiety and fear and curiosity and all kind of all of those things and the parallels between them. But I want to know what is the silliest thing that you're afraid of? The thing that does not make logical sense. Golly, I don't know what doesn't make sense because all of my fears are pretty logical. Because <laughs> uh, you're a six and you um, they're all logical. I don't know. I mean, probably. You know, I. Th- I mean, I, I, I. Maybe I can land here. Whenever I get on an airplane, it is definitely on the on my. It's on the back of back burner of my mind. It's always on the front burners. Like, what if we crash? I so think that's everyone, though. I mean. So I, I I think about where I sit on the plane. Like I don't know. Like, do you do, want to give you an example of a silly fear? I'm scared yes. of batteries. Batteries scare me. I think stress fear. I don't like touching them because when I was little, I think I accidentally touched one that I really <laughs> thought had battery acid on it. And I was a very anxious child, obviously. And so it just freaked me out. So I like to this day I don't like changing batteries. I make someone else change them. Is it logical? No. Is it what that it is? is? That is yes. ridiculous. I have I have nothing like that. Ah! I got <laughs> Okay. I'm, I'm afraid of snakes. Uh, occasionally, probably afraid of heights. How depending on how close I am to the edge of the cliff. I mean, I there's just not much other than just terrible things happening to my family. So I you're don't, not afraid of batteries? Nope. Interest. Batteries are and I are friends. We're good. Well, I'll have you change my batteries. We're on speaking good terms. Yeah. To, no. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Well, now that I feel silly for my fear, <laughs> and you should. That's a ridiculous <laughs> fear. <laughs> Ridiculous. We'll talk to a counselor about it. It'll be all right. It'll be fine. Um, Okay. So for those that weren't there Tuesday or who maybe need a refresher who have slept between now and then, can you give us just a recap of what we talked about on Tuesday and the message and just kind of a general overview? So we're, you know, we're in our series one way or another. And so we're kind of looking at uh, the two ways, uh, the the world's way and God's way uh, through some topical things. And so last night we talked about the idea of curiosity or anxiety or curiosity. Um, and so the the kind of the, the way we took it was the world looks at anxiety with this kind of love-hate relationship where there's a bit of anxiety that you're expected to have. Mm-hmm. Like it's just kind of become the norm. Like if you're important in your in your job or your or your season of life, or if you're doing things right, you should actually live with a pretty high level of anxiety most of the time. Like you should be always busy, you know, worried concerned, whatever. But at the same time, we all hate that feeling. And so we kind of live in this world of like, do we want it? Do we not want it? I don't want it, but I kind of need to, to project a, an image that I'm important. I'm valuable. I'm adulting well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see when you look at scripture, you don't, you don't see that story. You don't yeah. see um, the voice of Jesus um, encouraging a lifestyle controlled by anxiety and fear and stress and being overwhelmed. We see the opposite of that. We see that Jesus says, hey, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest, not stress, rest. 
And so all from, from the Old Testament in the Psalms to the New Testament in the Gospels, we see this consistent message of, hey, the life that God has for you in Christ is not one defined by anxiety or fear. Mm-hmm. It's actually perfect love casts out all fear. Um, so yeah, we, we just kind of dove into this idea of anxiety, but then also we looked at Mark chapter 4, where at the end of the story, it's the story of the disciples in the boat. There's a storm. Jesus calms the storm. And they end with this amazing question of curiosity. And they, they see what Jesus has done, and they simply ask, who is this? And it just got me thinking that a part of defeating anxiety is actually starting to ask different questions, turning our mm-hmm. worries into questions yeah. of, hey, what, what could God be doing here? What might God want to use this situation in my, how does he want to shape me through this? Or how does God want to use this situation to impact God's kingdom through me? And I'm, I just get to be a part of it. So instead of always trying to push difficult situations or unknown situations away, inviting them in with curiosity of, all right, God, I know you're doing more than I think. So all of a sudden, this situation of anxiety can actually become a faith-building um, endeavor. Because when we ask, who is this? Man, Mark chapter four, Mark chapter five, Mark chapter six, Jesus, like he answers the question, let me show you who I am. And so it's in that curiosity that we actually get to discover who is Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think you made a good point too when we were talking, and it's just the idea that Jesus is capable of mm-hmm. handling all of our anxieties and our worries, yeah. so we don't need to worry on yeah. our own account. He's not unaware. No, he's not unaware. Yeah. Something I think is an important distinction to make before we kind of go on is what we're talking about and what we're not talking about. Mm-hmm. So we're just talking about regular anxiety. So the APA definition of anxiety, which is the American Psychological Association, says anxiety is an emotion characterized by the feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. So what we're talking about is a temporary emotion, not clinical or chronic anxiety, which there's a very different there's a difference between the two, which I think is important. Yeah, that 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 chronic anxiety is that it's always there. It's a pattern of that you can't ever seem to shake. We're talking more of that situational, circumstantial, hey, I, I got a job interview coming up and I'm feeling anxious. I've got mm-hmm. a first date coming up and I'm feeling anxious. I got a big meeting and presentation. I'm feeling, ugh. That's what we're talking about. Exactly. Well, and if you want more information on our mental health, kind of a little bit broader, we did a series on it a few years ago, mm-hmm. and it's on our website. Feel free to go check it out, do a little deep dive on it. I think it's a four-part series. So. Not the podcast, but the gathering Yes, the gathering. It's, yeah. I think it's just called Mental Health. Yep. Yeah, it's great. But if you want more resources, that's there. But today, we're just talking about kind of general anxiety. And so to kick us off, I want to know what are some things that we talked about in message prep or that you wanted to say that maybe got cut? Well, last night, just because yeah, I got because I always have, have to cut time. stuff. I'm always too long, and so you long winded. No, yes, a little bit, a little bit. Um, and so yeah, like some of the things that kind of left on the the cutting room floor was just the idea. Like I didn't get to get into this because usually I like to teach from one text mm-hmm. um, and then use other texts to kind of support it. But one of the things that we didn't talk about was that the Bible does not shy away from anxiety and worry. Mm-hmm. Like there, like I said, from the Old Testament to the New Testament to the from the Gospels to Paul's letters. It's a topic that we see all over the place. We see King David in the Psalms talk about his anxiety all the time. Like the Psalms is a great place to go to learn how to emote well uh, and in a healthy way. And then you see, you know, New Testament stories in the Gospels like Mary and Martha or Zacchaeus, who, 
you know, there, there was, there was some anxiety there. There was curiosity there. And I just happened to, to pick up on, on Mark chapter four, where Jesus is in the boat with his disciples and, and there's, there's anxiety there. They're, they're fearful and, and anxious for their life. Mm-hmm. And so I just happened to, to key on that one. But yeah, we just, it's, it's a theme all throughout scripture. And I love that about the Bible. It doesn't shy away from the real life things that we deal with. It's not just this perfect picture of like, hey, love Jesus and you'll never be anxious again. Hey, love Jesus and you'll never be tempted again. Like, no, it talks about real lives and we get a picture uh, into what it actually looks like and how to handle it as Christians. Mm-hmm. That's good. I know when we were talking about that, you mentioned Mary and Martha, and that was one of my favorite ones that we looked at. I know we talked about it kind of some when we were workshopping the message and just the idea that in this story, they both kind of had the opportunity to be in the presence of Jesus and made different choices. We're actually going to read it real quick because we don't want to assume that everyone's familiar yeah, with it. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's a great it's, story. It's so good. It's one of my favorites. It's in Luke 10, uh, 38 through 42. Let me find it. I should have tagged it, but I didn't. Um, well, I can just imagine as you get there, I, just, I can just imagine Jesus sends you a text. Say, hey, I'll be at your house at five. Ah! And... Just thinking about that, like I'm stressed. I start to get anxious. Like, like oh my, the the Messiah is coming over right like, now. Where does our mind go? And we get to see that in in this story. Yes. Okay. So verse 38, it starts and it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried about upset about many things, but few are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Hmm. You know, it just jumped out to me as you read that. She asks almost the exact same question the disciples asked in Mark chapter four. Mm -hmm. Do you not care? Right, the disciples ask the question, "Do you not care if we die or drown?" And she's like, "Do you just do not care? Do not like, care? do you see what I'm doing?" Well, anyway, it reminds me what did, you were talking. Just of, stuck out to me just now. Yeah. No, I was reading that as well. Interesting. It, it stuck out because one of the questions that we talked about last night was just, "Who does that sound like?" Like when you're having an mm-hmm. anxious thought, like, "Who does that sound like?" Because the voice of temptation and the voice of uh, the devil always lead you to question the goodness and the character of God. Yeah. And so we see that here. She just says, "Like, Lord, don't you care?" Yeah. It's not like, hey, this should be happening. It's a, immediately an attack on herself about the Lord's feelings towards her. Yeah. Well, and, and, yeah, just like we talked about last night, like anxiety has a voice. Um, and it often comes out in opposition to the character of God. Mm-hmm. Um, do you not care if we die? Well, of course Jesus cares if they die, right? Like we know that reading the story now, but of course we weren't on the storm seeing waves crash over the boat. Right. But I think in those moments— it can feel like God. Are you unaware of what's what? How I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing. So, I do think trying to train ourselves to to recognize not just the voice of Jesus, right? The the, the sheep will know my voice. Uh, that passage, but also we need to recognize the voice of of maybe the enemy of, yeah. of how he would get a foothold through our anxiety. I'm not saying I don't think anxiety is a sin. I think it's a natural. Um, a natural outcome of a fallen world mm-hmm. uh, is that we would think that our performance, like Martha, is like she's instead of worrying about just sitting at the feet of Jesus, she's worried about the house, the food, kind of the presentation of maybe her home. Not a bad thing. That is mm-hmm. not a bad thing. But what does Jesus say? Mary has chosen what is better. And so it just makes me think sometimes maybe 
I don't know. I'm just thinking off the top here, like maybe we need to redefine what is better. Yeah. What is my better and what is Jesus's better? Um, and I think a lot of times, like last night in Mark chapter four, better would be, guys, calm down. You do not need to freak out. I am here. I love you. I care for you. Watch this, boys. <laughs> and yeah. be still. Everything stops. You're like, you know, so he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't, uh, anyway, I, I just don't think anxiety is sinful. I just think it's a natural response, um, response mm-hmm. as fallen people to start doubting, like, does God care? Mm-hmm. So. What I think is really interesting, too, is, like, Mary and Martha both knew that Jesus was coming over. Like, mm-hmm. if you have ever been in your house and your mom tells you, company's coming over, both siblings launch into work and do things. Like, me and my sister yep. all had our assignments that we knew. And so— was, We tell our kids people are coming over, even if they're not, just so they'll clean the house. And it works every time. <laughs> it works every time. That's why I have people over intentionally. We don't do that. But that—I I might do that now. <laughs> You're like, hmm, wheels are turning. But the idea of they both had the opportunity to be equally anxious. Yeah. And yeah. Mary chose instead to run to Jesus, and Martha's anxiety actually distracted her from Jesus and distorted her view of him because yeah. she leaned into it instead of leaning well, into Jesus. Well, what Mary did was she showed that she trusted. Yeah. That this is this is where my peace is found. Mm-hmm. This is where um, my value is. is. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times anxiety reveals our value mm-hmm. of what, what do we hold in the highest esteem. Um, and when that gets threatened— Maybe we start to feel anxious. Maybe it's our, our our reputation. Maybe it's our people's view of my ability and capability to do things. Um, I don't know. So I, I just I, I do think that anxiety, when we start to target and figure out when we deconstruct anxiety, it usually doesn't come from the actual situation. It right. comes from the fear of what the situation may reveal about us. And so then it becomes an identity thing. It becomes a value thing. So anyway, it's just an interesting story to look at the value of what mm-hmm. Mary valued and Martha valued something else. And Jesus said what Mary values is better. Well, I think what's important to note here is this is not a serious situation. No, I it's think not life we, and death. No, it's not life and death. We see Jesus handle lots of life and death situations. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we think the only worries worth bringing to him are the life and death ones. Like this story is a great example of like Martha just about cleaning a house and the Lord still cared and still talked to her and still thought mm-hmm. it was worth her addressing and bringing to him, which I think is yeah. really important for us to hear whenever we get wrapped up in the anxieties of our everyday life. It doesn't have to be life and death to bring it to the Lord. Yeah, for sure. Um, another question that kind of we were talking about as we were going through this lesson was you talked about, um, we've talked about repeatedly, just like the presence of the Lord in the storm really mm-hmm. makes a difference. And so what I want to know is how has walking with the Lord in storms changed the way you viewed the storms in your life? Like how has it impacted the way you walk through them? Well, let me just start by saying I I have anxiety. <laughs> like I don't I am not immune to this. Um, and so there's always a part of me that feels a little bit like okay I'm telling other people how to do this when I don't do it perfectly. So let's just get that out there on on the front end. Um, but as I've as I've dealt with different anxieties, fears, worries in my life, um, it's just I gotta I gotta re-record the tape that plays in my head. And the best way to do that is make sure I know who the God of the Bible is. And so I got to be in 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 God's word. Um, and if I don't memorize the thing, I, then I need to have at least a quick Google search of like, I need, I need some reassurance here. Um, and so walking through the storms of life, my first reaction when I was younger used to be, I'm going to fix it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take control and I'm going to fix it. Or I'm going to just pretend that it doesn't exist 
so that hopefully it'll work itself out. Where now, um, because those we I just know those things don't work. <laughs> like you're gonna wake up and the, it's still gonna be there. <laughs> um, and I know that I can't control. I got. I think as I get older, I just realize I'm out of. I, I can control nothing. Um, there's l- almost zero things in this world that I have total control over. And so learning to hand over and trust God and his word that, hey, he sees this, he is aware, he does care about me, and that he's doing more in this situation than I'm aware of. And then that combined with, I got to remind myself frequently that God is good. Mm-hmm. Um, because my circumstances often try and tell me a different narrative that he is not good. Um, it's kind of that, that what we talked about at the gathering last night, that uh, Genesis 3.1. Did God really say? Yeah. It's just that twinge of doubt that God is withholding from me, which means that he's not actually good. And I think that is, if I were to look at most of the anxiety that I deal with, that's it. Mm-hmm. If I really want to peel all the onion layers off, anxiety and worry um, usually are birthed out of a doubt that God is actually good and that he actually wants my good because life is hard mm-hmm. and things happen and or things don't happen. And I just think it's, for me, to answer your question quickly, sorry, I got long-winded, but I just got to remind myself of what is true mm-hmm. and make sure that I catch those those doubts and lies that can creep in quickly um, and then replace them with what is true. It's kind of the verse I talked about last night. What is true, whatever's right, whatever's noble, whatever's pure, think on these things. Yeah. And my anxiety's never that. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I think that's good. Something that you talked about that I really enjoyed is just like the simple act of having scriptures to remind yourself of the Lord's truth. I think you're right. Like most of our anxiety is just the idea that, oh, God's not going to take care of it in a good way that I'm not going to be happy with. Yeah. And so one of the things I did over Christmas that's been really helpful is I just took a day and I wrote down every character of the Lord Mm. that I could think of. And I wrote down a scripture just to back it up right next to it. That way, because we all know I've struggled with anxiety. You've struggled with it. Like when you're in those deep recesses of like a thought spiral, logic and reason don't make a lot of sense to you. And so it's really good and really important to kind of have those resources quick and ready and handy. That way you can back it up with truth and you can Mm -hmm. speak truth over what you're worrying about. Because I think that's a really easy thing that a lot of people don't do. Yeah. Well, and and, and when we know scriptures, um, you know, that, that oh, where is it? I, I think it's in 2 Corinthians. I, I looked it up earlier to see if I still have it. Uh, yeah, 2 Corinthians 2.10, uh, verse 3, Paul writes this, For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our war uh, are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolitions of strongholds. Like, I think anxiety can be a stronghold. Mm-hmm. Um, we demolish arguments and every, uh, sorry, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to be obedient to Christ. And I just think, like, that's it. We're spiritual people, and our thoughts are spiritual things because mm-hmm. they're not tangible. And we have to be able to readily identify what is not true we got to take that thought captive and then bring in God's word and God's truth, just like you did that list. So like, all right, who do I know God to be according to his word? Um, well, he is a good shepherd, all right? He is gentle and and lowly in heart. Um, you know, like, and so you, it's just this battle. And mm-hmm. I think the earlier we can take those thoughts captive and, and recognize, mm-hmm. oh, that's an anxious thought. That is a fear that is not true. Mm-hmm. Um, 
all of a sudden that storm that rages starts to be still. Mm-hmm. I remember that was such a game changer in my life, just realizing that like you have a choice in what you think about. Mm-hmm. And so I remember someone told me like, think about what you think about. Like yeah. you have control over it and you have control over what thoughts you let run rampant. And I think it's just because the first thing you think about doesn't doesn't mean mean you have to or that it's true. Exactly. So just the idea, I remember like there was a season in my life where I was struggling with anxiety a lot and I just had to take literally every thought. And I was like, okay, like, is this true? Does this sound like the Lord or does this sound like the enemy? Mm -hmm. And just weave through them because your brain gets stuck in these unhealthy patterns. And so just kind of- That is one of the most helpful things. And I said this last night at the gathering and I think we've talked about it is Mm -hmm. answering that question, who does this sound like? Um, When I- I've I tell I talk to myself, my wife and I talk about it a lot with my children. You know, I'll hear my kids say really like destructive things to themselves. And I'll say, like, who's that sound like? Does that sound like a God who loves you and cares for you and has good plans for you and would like to um use every situation for your good? Or does that sound like someone that actually hates you? You know, what how are you treating yourself? Kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, who do you who does that sound like is a great question. It's a good one. So one of the things that we hit on when we just were talking is just the idea that we doubt God's goodness. And so it kind of ties into an idea that we were talking about when we were prepping was just the thought that God never mishandles our anxieties or our worries, Mm -hmm. which is a great truth, one. But two, it begs the question, if that is true, why do you think we're so hesitant to bring them to him? And kind of how can we bring them to him practically? Man, that's a lot. Uh, that uh, three prong um, question. That was a lot. Of I would say, what? So why do we? Why do we? Why are we hesitant to bring our mm-hmm. our anxieties to him? Yeah. So if we know he's capable, we know he's willing to take care of them. Yeah. Why do you think we as people still hesitate with that? Because I don't think we're really convinced that he's capable or he'll do it. Like I really, I mean, I I hate to beat that drum. But I just, I think we're just um, we think we know what's best. Like our ego gets in the way, our pride gets in the way. Like I know what I want, how I want it, and when I want it. And if I bring it to the Lord, he may have a different way. And I may not like that way. It may be uncomfortable. It may make me wait. It may make me, you know. And so I just think it's kind of like, what's the the phrase? I would rather ask for forgiveness than permission. Mm -hmm. Like I lived with that for a long time when I was in college. (laughs) Like, you know what? It's a lot easier to just say, hey, I'm sorry. Rather than, hey, would you mind if I did this? Because they might say no. Yeah. And then if I go ahead and do it, then it's rebellious. And so I think sometimes that's our just our human flesh, our our our, our human nature is like, I would rather just do it my way because it might work out. And then if it doesn't, I'll go ask for forgiveness. Versus just right off the bat walking in obedience, saying, God, I trust you more than I trust myself. And I want to walk faithfully trusting you more than I trust my urges or my 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 fears or whatever. So I think at the end of the day, it, it's I'm a broken record. I just think it comes down to we we just want to do what we want to do. And there's always a part of us that just doesn't quite trust that God is going to care about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the best way to do it, um, beyond just knowing who God is through his word, is I think bringing other people um, – that are running the same faith race that you are into the conversation, mm-hmm. um, whether that's a counselor or just a friend or a parent um, of just saying, hey, this is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm, would you pray with me? You know, set alarms on your phone. That's one of the things that my wife and, and our family does. Is like when we got something big going on, we'll set an alarm either for that person's birthday on our phone. You know, so like 
my, my birthday's in March, so we'll, you know, set up for three whatever. Um, I'm not going to plug my birthday here. Um, <laughs> I don't want to come off as that guy. But, you know, so like, let's just say this isn't my birthday, but let's say my birthday is March 21st. Then we'll set an alarm for 321 on my phone and my wife will have it and maybe a friend will have it. And we'll just know when that alarm goes off, we're going to pray for Andy right now about this specific thing. So kind of widening the circle to say, hey, I don't want to fight this mm-hmm. battle on my own. Let's bring some other people. Let's widen the circle a little bit and have other people that are going to hold me up. Because um, a lot of times the anxiety, we, I don't feel like I can do it. Right. Like I remember when I was going through seasons of losing my parents, um, I had a friend that he said, he, he was asking me how I'm praying. I'm like, I'm just kind of out. I'm just kind of done praying. I'm, I'm prayed out. He's like that. Don't worry, I'll pray for you. And I was like, that meant the world to me. Because I was like, I felt bad saying that as a pastor. I'm like, I'm just done praying. I feel like I've said all my words. Yeah. And so having people around you that can do that with you and support you in it is really, really valuable. And I think it's important to do the distinction of having someone that will pray on your behalf and pray through it with you versus someone just to talk about it with. Yeah. Because I think one of the questions that we ask this night is like, where do you run with your anxiety that's not the Lord? Yeah. And so I know for me, I run to other people. I run the situation around and around and around and around until I can make sense of it. And one of the things that has helped me was just kind of the countermeasure of that is, okay, have I talked to the Lord about it as much as I'm trying to talk to everyone else about yeah. it? Because I think we all have different coping mechanisms when we're feeling anxious, whether that is like we're talking about numbing out with different things or validation, looking for validation. (laughs) Like, okay, I'm you should be stressed out about that. Tell me why exactly. Or we're trying to make sense of it or we're trying to do all these different things. And so because I think we want we we want it to feel normal. Mm -hmm. We want to know that we're okay. Mm -hmm. And anxiety, I think, makes us feel like something's wrong with us. Mm -hmm. And you know what? There is something wrong with us. And that's okay. Like, that's Mm -hmm. the human experience. But to just try and validate what mm-hmm. our, our mess, you know, our, like just tell me I'm okay, even though I'm ex- anxious. Even though I'm clearly not. I'm like, no, I'd rather get rid of the anxiety and find yeah. a different way to to handle it instead of having my hope in situations turning out well, have my hope in the one that's with me in every situation, mm-hmm. regardless of how it turns out, because some situations won't turn out well. And so, man, why would we worship the outcome of temporary circumstances knowing full well that some are going to turn out fine and some will not turn out the way we want. Like that's just a roller coaster of anxiety versus like, you know what? I'm just going to hold on to Jesus mm-hmm. while we while we go through this storm. And when we see in Mark chapter four, like the phrase I used last night, I was like, go to the back of the boat. The first thing we should do is go to the back of the boat and say, Jesus, I'm scared. Jesus, help me. Mm-hmm. God, would you help me see this? How Like go to the back of the boat is the first thing we should do. And I'm speaking to myself just as much as anyone listening to this podcast. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think just kind of the perspective switch of I might be going through things, but I know the one who has already seen me through it, who has already seen me through, who already knows what's going to happen. And we see that perspective change in uh, Psalm 13, actually. Mm, I think we're going to close with that. And so I'm going to read it real quick. Let me flip there. Is there anything else that you want to say before we close with that? No, I just think when I feel anxious, Psalms is where I go. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's psalms of celebration. There's psalms of worship. There's a lot of songs of lament or sadness and grief. Mm-hmm. And so I just love that this is the longest book of the Bible, is the emotional outpouring of worry, fear, anxiety, anger, all the emotions. And so psalms a great place to end this because, man, this is the first place I go. Mm-hmm. Me too. Okay. So Psalms 13 starts with, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day and have sorrow in my heart? 
just pause. We have all been there. Mm-hmm. We all know that feeling in our gut. And he says, how long will my enemy triumph over me? Look to me and answer, Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fall. But, and that's one of my favorite words in the Bible. Every time you see a but, mm-hmm. it's always really important. It's always a good turn. It's always a good yep. turn in the story. And so in verse five, David says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Mm. What a, I mean, man, it, this is why I love David. He is raw and he is honest. Like in verse two, how long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? Like, oh, David, <laughs> you all right, bro? <laughs> You're like, but I love that the Bible includes this. Mm-hmm. It's not just sunshine and rainbows. It's like, hey, this is King David, right? This is a man after God's own heart and mm-hmm. he is anxious, right? He's like, I have agony in my mind every day. But what does he do? Like he lays it out. He's honest with the Lord. He's gone to, as we would say, the back of the boat and he's laying it out. But then what does he do? He said, he remembers, but I have trusted in your, and that word faithful love is the word has said. And it's my favorite word in the Old Testament because the word has said does not, like faithful love um, is is just the way we've translated it. But that word has said, has said love means it is a love that is concerned about your well-being. It's not a selfish love. It is, I love you and I want to care for your well-being. And so he says, but I have trusted in a love that you have for me that is for my best, mm-hmm. right? My heart will rejoice in your deliverance, not the situation, but you will deliver me. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. And I'm like, man, what a great way to disciple your thought, your thoughts, yeah. your emotions. Mm-hmm. Like, because that's what he's doing. He's He is discipling his emotions. He's about to run wild. And he said, but. And then he's like, whoa, I'm going to take that thought captive. That is my experience, but what is true? Mm-hmm. And he says, this is what is true. Your faithful love. Mm-hmm. You've been generous and good to me. Okay. Yeah. Now let's continue with life. Well, right? and I Man, love so good. this psalm because it shows that God doesn't run away from our anxiety, mm-hmm. but invites us to run to him. And I think yeah. that's really the summary of this whole point is like the yeah. Lord invites us to run to him with our anxiety. He's not yeah. scared of it like we are. Well, it wears us out. It, he knows like it is, it, it's a big deal. And it's my favorite invitation in all of scriptures, Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And it says, watch from me and learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that what we're looking for? Mm-hmm. I can get physical rest. I want soul, like deep soul rest. And Jesus says, you find that in him. Yep. And to do that, we got to get curious about who is this man and who is this one who's inviting me to real rest. And that's when our faith becomes really exciting because we open God's word, we discuss it, and we start to explore, and it becomes an adventure of understanding and knowing this man, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Boom. All right. That's it for today. Thank you guys for joining us. We hope this was helpful for you, and we hope um, this was just a tool to help you kind of get a rein on your normal anxiety and learn how to submit it to the Lord. We hope you have a great day and see you next Tuesday.